the most uh, spirited debate to come out of the last episode, Clay, for Star Trek Picard, was whether or mm. not Commodore O was a Vulcan. Because you were surprised she was a Vulcan, and uh, during the podcast, you did that reveal, because you would thought she was a Romulan. And then we, yes. we were kind of going through all the Star Trek review places and just looking at the uh, the sheer confusion about what her species was, according to all the different reviews. Some had her listed as a Romulan. Some were saying she's a Vulcan. Some were saying that she's a Romulan posing as a Vulcan. And I guess that isn't really answered, although we do get the... Uh, the sense in this episode that at least everyone on the show thinks that she is a Vulcan at this point. Yeah. It's another thing that makes it feel like this is all one three big three part pilot episode because Picard casually drops it in conversation in this, ep- in this episode. And it's like that information would have been very helpful in the last episode. He, he really pointlessly drops that information. Yeah. In this. She- it's almost, it almost feels like it, I know, obviously Television doesn't work this way. These shows have been shot and edited for months and months and months, if not years. Uh, but it almost feels like they've re- reacted to people being like, what the hell is she supposed to be by having them say, oh, she's a Vulcan. I, someone, uh, I think Kyle on the Discord had come up with some link or something, or it mentioned on the uh, the official Star Trek Picard podcast that the second episode was actually produced after the first one and three. So it was, mm. it was inserted as a... Um, a connected connective tissue episode i guess to mm-hmm. maybe lay the groundwork a little bit better maybe they thought that they weren't effectively setting things up that were going to come later so they wanted to like strengthen the introduction for certain things and it feels at that point it feels like o's introduction they almost forgot that they knew what her reveal was later you know like they introduced mm-hmm. her before she was supposed to be really introduced and therefore there was a little bit of confusion around it but yeah the only other thing before we go to our break is that um, she wears sunglasses for some, yes. <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, it's such an odd choice. Is that the first time sunglasses have appeared in Star Trek outside of a holodeck? <laughs> no, Archer has sunglasses. Um, uh, that doesn't count. That's basically present day. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, was, it really took me out. It's so distracting because you go, what's the reason for her wearing sunglasses? And... I guess there's nothing. I, I guess it's just, it must have been a super sunny day, or maybe the actress is sensitive to light or something like that. Or maybe she's a Reman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bet you didn't. No one saw that coming. No one's- <laughs> Remember how they're sensitive to light, like yep. in the movie? Yep. And then uh, we've, so- we've shown that you can just easily plastic surgery people to- in this uh, this series to make everyone look like there's something else, I suppose. But let's take a break. Let's play the intro song, and then we'll come back, and we're going to break down The End is the Beginning. All right, so this is The End is the Beginning. It's the third episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard, aired on February 6, 2020 third episode of 10 produced for the season written by michael chabin and james duff directed by hanel m culpepper in this episode completely unaware of her special nature soji continues her work and captures the attention of the borg cube research project's executive director after rehashing past events with a reluctant raffi picard seeks others willing to join his search for bruce maddox including pilot and former starfleet officer cristobal rios this is it clay this is Mm. it really is does um it really does feel like this is the these first three episodes have been like the opening chapter of this, and you could kind yes. of considerably take them as one uh, one episode, I guess, as a setup. I don't know 
I don't know if they are super effective like all the way through and whether or not like viewing them as one unit strengthens them in any regard but I I thought this was the best episode of the show so far. Would you agree? Yeah, um I thought it was pretty good. I I'd be interested to hear why you thought it was the best. Not that I'm saying that it's not, but it it honestly didn't really like uh, didn't, it didn't, didn't stick out to you. Yeah, it I I I didn't come away like, you know, clapping when it was over uh, mm. it had i thought it had a lot of great stuff in it uh i loved hugh i thought all the stuff with hugh was great um i i continue to love the stuff they're doing with the borg um i love that they have an entire like psych ward devoted to people who have been uh unborged Rom- romulans it looks like it looks like they're yeah, all romulans, romulans yeah. yeah uh but like generally the point is that they are going out of their way to show that unborging someone is a very traumatic experience right which i appreciate because it should be um yeah i thought it was i thought it was fine uh it didn't blow me away um the uh new captain guy is uh feels like more of a star wars character than a star trek character Um, I does. love the uniforms the uniforms from 14 years ago look great i don't know why they decided to you know uh slim them down and go back to the two color scheme yeah to, to the the boxier thing i think they look they yeah. look kind of like space wizards in the 14 year ago uniform a little bit they, they have <laughs> they, kind of like they long are a little, sleeves. yeah they are a little maybe a little over designed but i thought they look pretty cool yeah i mean yeah. They, they seem like a, a nice evolution of the uh of the of the the classic next generation deep space nine kind of look I, li- I like them more as if it was only an admiral uniform i think sure that, yeah. i think that's more appropriate it doesn't seem to be the case because rafi is wearing one that's identical and she's not an admiral at that point so i i to get to your answer about what i liked about it i would say that this episode to me actually kind of had extremes it was it had extremely bad moments and it had probably the best moments that i think the series has delivered so far mm-hmm. i think it got better as it was moving because the the worst part to me is the raffy stuff at the very start yeah that's that's a little bit weird and kind of i mean they really have to drive it home that she calls him jl for some reason yeah. in that first scene she <laughs> says it like 15 times it's from the comics i guess and so they wanted to stress <laughs> oh, that really? they're paying attention yeah yeah is wait for is she from the comics yes she's from a comic i guess oh really yeah. oh that's fun i didn't know that i don't know if it was a comic designed to boot this off you know what i mean Right, right. Um, but I don't know how her, how far back her origin goes, but I um, I just like I know I know the Star Trek isn't above tropes, but it's like how many times can you just have a character who just drinks and smokes ayahuasca before yeah. <laughs> before you're like you know this is really just very cheap shorthand for this is a troubled person, and I just I think that the problem with the first three episodes of Picard is that. Well, I really like where this ended, and it gets you like into space with the TNG theme, and Picard says engage, and they take off, and I'm like, all right, this is all good. I don't feel that the crew recruitment was really very effective for him. Um, no. Like, it, it felt kind of like it was just him bouncing around between people. This one felt better. I actually really like the final crew scene of this episode where he, everyone kind of is on the ship about, the, about to leave, and they're all having their very character-based interactions with each other. I saw potential for a show there once the crew mm-hmm. was all assembled, but I don't feel it was very effective because they did this thing where they 
they drop you 20 years later into Picard, right? Into his mm-hmm. life. And then they're treat, they're giving you all these new characters who you have no experience with, but Picard does. So yes. all the scenes feel very unimportant or disconnected because they're emoting as if they know each other, but you have no idea what their relationship is. And it just yeah. feels like it was, I almost feel like I wish I had seen more of old crew members in Picard. We mentioned this the last one, but in Picard realizing that he can't use his old crew members or something, mm-hmm. because I need to mm-hmm. be grounded with Picard a little bit at this point. And I don't think these first three episodes did that. The familiar smell of harvest time. Wood smoke, moan hay, and that heavy sweetness of the grapes. And you won't miss it. Any of us. One bit. Oh, yes, my dear. I will miss you and Shaban and number one. I tried my best to belong to this place. But I don't think I ever truly felt at home here. I suppose you always had one eye on the stars. Yeah, I um, I so far have had a problem with the Raffi character in general for exactly that reason. Um, because, like, even the way that she's brought in in the last episode is really weird, where he, she's not mentioned by name, then he puts on his communicator, clicks it, and, and is talking to her, and you have no idea who this person is. And even at the end, when he goes to see her, you have no idea who this person is. And it's like, okay, fine, you're going to get more of that in the next episode. And when you finally do, even when you do, you're not really, it's, they're still playing her as somewhat of a mystery. Yeah. And she, it's she, blocking, yes. it's blocking the, the audience's, uh, I feel like it's blocking the audience's ability to like really connect with them because you get the thing at the beginning where it's like he resigns and then she's fired for some reason, which they don't really explain. Which was an awful, um, that's an awful sequence. That that sequence is terrible where she is very um, understanding of him. And then the phone call comes in and she's like, God damn it, JL, like you quit and I yeah. get fired. It's like, where did yeah. that come from? Yeah, it was very abrupt. Yeah, especially after, you know, she's like, you, you know, you always... You always take the big chance. That's what I admire about right. you. And like, well, I took the big chance and it didn't work. And she's like, you fucking asshole. Um, but even then, like, I don't know why she gets fired because of him. No. But then uh, they, when they start having their argument over it, the in the present day, quote unquote, um, the stuff that they end up talking about is stuff we haven't seen and don't know anything about. Because she starts talking about, she like does that thing where she's about to say something that she lost, but she doesn't because for some reason the they need to keep that information away from the audience for now. Yes. Um, it probably has something to do with where she's going on this mission. Because she, she at the end, or something. yeah, at the end, she refuses to tell them why she needs to go to that place as a, yeah. a as another senseless mystery as to like, yeah. you don't need this mystery for this character, but they want to have something just driving her, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it has to, everything's got to be a mystery. Like, you can, if it is like a daughter or something or a family member, you can still say that and and have it work and still get interesting stories out of it. Because otherwise, 
the only thing driving your interest in that character is finding out what the hell she's being cagey about. And like, I don't know how many times we've said this, but nine times out of 10, the answer is not satisfying. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a very, um, it's a very short sighted method of storytelling where it's like, uh, it's like a storytelling sugar high, essentially where you are. The only thing driving your interest in the character driving forward is this mystery. And it's only a mystery because they present it as such. Like it doesn't have to be. It's just the fact that they don't give you that information you're inherently like, oh, I wonder what that information is. And then when they finally give you that information, you're like, oh, okay. Well, anyway, on to the next thing. It's very, it ends up being very forgettable. Like I don't, I can't imagine an answer to whatever her thing is that's going to make me like reconsider her as a character and like go like, oh my God, Picard has just broken down. Right. Let me, let me go watch, let me go watch her scenes again. Yeah. Yeah. To recontextualize this. And I think that's part of what makes, you know, not to go on a complete tangent, but I think that sort of storytelling is part of what makes a lot of modern TV kind of lose its rewatchability is because if that's all you're hanging your characters on, once that's out in the open, it's like, well, I don't really know. It's, you know, it's, it was fine moving on to the next thing. Yeah. I, it's funny because as, as frustrating and I, I completely agree. I think that the Raffi character is kind of a mistake just because at least this far. Like, I think the performance is fine and everything, but it's definitely written as a mystery that we're going to get to uncover. And it's like, you, you're not really grounded in this relationship where Picard is like basically crying about what happened to her. And I'm sitting there going like, well, what, what really happened? Like, why, why didn't they show any of this? I think that the series and this series and discovery kind of suffers from, I don't know if it's a production side effect, but they have like this, they have this bizarre trait where they tell you about the scene that I would rather see as opposed to where like, (laughs) why don't we see Picard standing up to the admirals and resigning? Why isn't that scene played in the episode? Instead, it's him sitting outside in a park telling her about it. And it's like, this is just kind of lame. No, I a hundred percent agree. That's definitely something that we probably should have seen. And they do that a lot. That is another thing that, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what the uh I guess it's probably because the the point of that scene is to get the uh They want to bond you. Raffi. Yeah. yeah, they want to, they want to give you a bond with Raffi, but I I don't think it does that effectively. Yeah, and I mean I think you can still I think you can do both. You know, cuz I mean if you had the opening scene be him getting into an argument with the admirals and and she is like in the room with them. And so she's reacting to what he's doing. And then as he's like laying down his ultimatum, she's starting to get really worried. And, you know, you could see her uh, demeanor change. And then after he resigns and they accept the resignation, then they get into a fight. You know, like, I think you can do both. I mean, that's infinitely more satisfying to watch than just having two people talk about something that happened off screen. (laughs) Right, exactly. And the scene, the, the show has shown us in a couple of episodes that it likes to intercut scenes together. And this one, towards the end, they intercut the uh, interrogating the Tal Shiar guy and then the Borg uh, woman saying that the uh, Asha is a destroyer yeah. or whatever. I think that, that you... Sorry, I was just going to say that worked a lot better than the one they did in the, the one last did, Yes, I, I would agree with that. We'll get to it. But I think that the... Um, the the Raffi scene could have, while he is talking to her in her desert RV, they could have in, intercut the admiral scene 
between them, like to, to sure. show that this is what the past was. As they're, as they're talking in the present day about it, you're flashing back to see what the actual subtext means in their conversation. Um, yeah. It's just bizarre that you don't get any of that. It's just Patrick Stewart's trying, but even Patrick Stewart can't save that scene because it's mm. so divorced from what the actual importance element of it is, which is seeing Picard give up his entire career in that moment and that's like you kind of need to see that i I don't want to see him talk about it i want to see the admirals actually interact with him and him lay down the law for them and then quit and walk out and even in that scene which should be a scene where he's very assertive and taking action we are relegated to watching him be passive about it afterwards right yeah yeah basically everything he's done up to this point um And, you know, it's funny you should say the thing about you wishing there were more older cast members in it. I was thinking the same thing during the desert scene with Rafi, because as they're shooting the shit and, like, arguing about this falling out that they had, I was thinking, I was like, I don't understand. Like, they're trying to make me care about this, giving me very little information to go on other than the fact that she's mad at him. And I feel like if you played the same scene with her and like Riker, it works 100%. Yeah. Because you have an understanding of what the relationship between these characters are. So it, to have someone like Riker or anybody from the Enterprise, it could have been Jordy, could have been Worf, doesn't matter who it is, to have them be so pissed off at him that they will not help him out in his hour of need and they and have this like lingering uh, grudge isn't the right word, but like bitterness towards him. You don't even have to tell me what happened. And I'm like, oh shit, this is a big deal. Right. But with these two with this character that you've never met and a character you know, but we haven't seen for twenty years, and they're talking about something we didn't see that happened fourteen years ago, it's diff- it's really difficult for me to like really dig my teeth into that as far as like caring about what's going on. Right, because she has a line where she goes, you didn't visit me at all over these past 14 years. And I'm sitting there going, did you really have the relationship where he needs to visit you? Like, if it, But if, yeah. if it's Troy and she says that to him, you're like, oh, shit. Like, he, yeah. he fucked up. Like, that's, that's, a yeah. big, that's a big difficult thing. But when it's a made-up character, you know, made-up in quotes, made-up character like Raffi, I don't know what that means, that Picard hasn't visited her. Maybe they were just casual acquaintances in his mind, and he didn't feel the need to go see her or anything like that. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, Rafi, but I, I just thought we were, we were text message friends at best. I don't even have your, la- your last name in my phone. This is just, this is just embarrassing. Um, You're still in my phone as Rafi from the ship. That's, I think that's the, that's the problem with that stuff. But I think why I like... Front-loading this episode is pretty much all the bad stuff, but I think Mm -hmm. what happens that I like later on is that Patrick Stewart does eventually get to start to act like Picard, I think, later on in this. The the scene Mm -hmm. with uh, Rios, where he sits down and Rios is having, like, the Mega Man metal blade taken out of his arm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Picard sounds like Picard in that scene. Mm-hmm, he's he's mm-hmm. talking to Rios in a very Picardy way that I, I think is really appropriate and good for the character, and he's not just being hustled around and meeting people. And then towards the end, like Patrick Stewart is so good as Picard that even though I think the show did nothing to earn it, I was genuinely touched by his looking out at the vineyard saying he never really felt like he belonged there scene. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I feel like that scene I mean I agree I think he he was he's great but I feel like that scene 
only really works in the version of the show that you wanted to see. Yes, it does. Because he, yeah, because yeah, he talks about like, oh, well, I've never really, never really felt at home here, and I've, uh, I've been lolling away with the vineyards and blah blah blah. And she's like, yeah, you know, you did your best. And it's like, well, we didn't see any of that, right? You know, he, he's, we only got like a the 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 tiniest glimpse. However, <clears throat> I will say, if from this point on he is more assertive and he is more like the classic Picard, you could argue that they actually the way that they play him on earth is intentionally passive yes in that he doesn't have any sort of agency outside of starfleet outside of uh, being the captain of a starship which i if that's what they were doing i wish they drew a bit more attention to it because they don't really give you much of anything other than him being like, at the end here being like yeah i never really fit in here like it 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 never really feels like it's a it's an obstacle for him it just feels like a weird way to write the character and it's another byproduct of not having older characters there to talk to him about how he's acting in that way like these characters don't know him and and i i i guess i would maybe push back slightly and just say that he he does seem to be driven but like he he is motivated to get back to finding out what happened to dodge and things like that so it Mm -hmm. seems like there is a drive within him sure but the the plotting that got him there just had him sort of being led around by the caller for three episodes, yeah, yes, and, and that yeah. was not really very satisfying. I, the 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 way that the vineyard goodbye scene works is only if we've spent three episodes on Earth seeing how unhappy he is fundamentally yeah. at this point, and I don't mm-hmm. think they really ever got that across except for the opening episode where he wakes up sad in bed. You know, yes, yes. That, that's pretty much it. And, you know, another another instance where older characters might have helped here. Uh, I'm legitimately shocked that he doesn't meet up with a previously known character across these three episodes who then tells him that he needs to just be comfortable in retirement. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like, it, like I, I was almost I was almost positive that he was going to end up running into Riker in this episode because, you know, I, unless I guess maybe he lives on Beta Z or something. Well, I'm sure it seems that Picard comes back to Earth at some point, which is kind of surprising to me. I thought he was going to be gone from this point because there yeah. there are scenes where he's back at his chateau and Seven comes in and talks to him. Oh, really? That's at the chateau? Okay, I'm pretty I mean, sure. It I don't is, remember. Yeah. I don't remember where they were. The chateau where he apparently keeps guns everywhere. <laughs> There's a hidden gun under every single thing you could hide a gun under. But like, uh, um. <clears throat> You know, I, I was surprised, for instance, all the stuff that his Romulan, uh, Irish Romulan friend there, all the stuff that she was doing, all of her work where she's like, you know, you're an old man. You really don't need to be doing this. I was kind of surprised they didn't give that to a character that we have some sort of connection to. Right. Yeah. Like if he goes to the Admiral, the Admiral doesn't give him shit. So then he goes to find Riker, who's like, you know, an ambassador or something. Obviously, he's not. That's not how they're playing him, obviously. But just for the sake of argument. He's like Riker, you gotta help me. And Riker's like, no, come on, man, you're old. I'll I'll try to look into this for you, but you gotta you gotta let this go. Um, I because that feels like so much more of a barrier than these people we've never seen before telling him that stuff. Yeah, yep, hundred percent. I mean the the built-in thing of Riker telling him to just go home is more impactful than random admiral tells him to go home. Yeah. Um, and it is strange. Like I. I would have bet my life that this was the Riker and Troy episode. Me too. Before yeah. he goes off. Yeah. And I'm, I'm surprised that's not the case. Um, yeah. What I think 
And the other thing that I think they did well, besides settling into Picard a little bit and settling into the crew and sort of like showing that there is there is kind of a functional crew at this point, is that mm. the Borg stuff is the best case version of the mystery stuff that these new yes. series are trying to do. Because the Borg stuff is interesting on its own, and each episode gives you a little bit of relevant information about what's going on. But it's mm-hmm. not it's not built in this sort of like flimsy artificial Rafi way of like i'll tell you the information when you need to know it it seems much more organic that you're learning what's going on with the romulans and the borg technology yeah i think the stuff with the borg is great i think the stuff with the undercover romulans is terrible sure well you don't like the uh the game of thrones incest influence that is uh being yeah i don't know i don't know what's going on there i don't know if she's wearing like a uh image inducer or something so that she can go back and forth between human and romulan looking (laughs) but it's just like like what the hell is he I don't understand what that guy is there for yet. And I mean, maybe that's part of the, uh, you know, quote unquote mystery. That's, but a, that's like, a bad mystery. Yeah, that's a bad mystery. It's a bad mystery. The stuff that she's doing, super interesting. Like um, the, the, all the stuff with the Borg, even the stuff where, even the stuff where she's talking to the lady who was on the last ship that was assimilated by that cube or whatever. And they have that stupid thing where they're like. Every Romulan house has a fake front door, so you got to go in through the back. So she sits behind her, <laughs> and all of a sudden, that opens up the uh, the talk box, the yeah. chat, the chatty Cathiness of this woman. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, like the stuff with her freaking out about her and asking her which one she is, I thought that was fairly interesting. Um, I guess they are adding another layer of mystery to who she is, which uh, this way it doesn't bother me yet. Um, I, because it's kind of tied in with this, with like two or three strands going at the same time, it seems a little bit more interesting. Yes. Uh, but as far as like the one direction band member, Romulan guy and his sister, I am not buying that yet. No, I mean, they're... He doesn't do anything. He's just there. He's just there having sex with her. Yes, and lying to her about being in love with her and stuff like that. I, I guess he's trying to, I mean, on a a pure plot level, he's trying to, like, gain, gain some information from her about where the other androids are or something like he's, that. He feels like Gul Dukat at the end of Deep Space Nine, <laughs> where he's just there. He's just there, like, boning down with this person, and you don't really know what he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah. just sort of, like, eating an apple in the background while she's doing all the work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And I, I don't know what's up with their incest relationship. If they are truly brother and sister, I don't know why they'd be lying to each other or why they'd be calling each other that in private at this point if mm. they're not brother and sister. So I don't really know, unless it's a, a Game of Thrones influence that they're trying to get off of it or something. I mean... It might not be actual incest. It might just be like playing the evil Romulans at 11, you know? I guess. They're super sexual. She she smells yeah, him and says, you smell carnal or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. It's really disturbing. You know, that always creeps me out in movies and shows when, I don't know why, but when, like, every now and then you'll have, like, a, a bad guy who's like, hmm, you smell of sex. And I'm yeah. like, ugh. That's really, like, it's really creepy. I'm just, uh, the only thing I think about is uh, when Mark McGrath went on like the VMAs drunk and then held up his fingers and said, does anyone want to know what Madonna smells like? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I do have to say the best, the best version I've seen in a movie is from the movie Jennifer's Body, mm. where uh, 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 Amanda Seyfried and her boyfriend are, you know, making out or whatever. And then uh, Megan Fox comes in and goes, it smells like Thai food in here. <laughs> Have you been fucking? 
which is pretty funny. That's pretty good. I like the um, Jennifer's Body. Great movie. D- Diablo Cody kind of fell off the off the map a little bit. She had a yeah, had, yep. had a big peak with that and Juno, right? She wrote Juno yeah. as well. Yeah, and then nowhere. Yeah, uh, Jennifer's Body was a huge bomb for everybody involved, basically, and it kind of killed all their careers for a while. Hmm. Un- unfortunately, because it's actually a very good movie. The, uh, the you can bo- learn more about that when we cover it on the Rotten Horror Picture Show eventually. <laughs> oh, is it on that list? No, but Amanda and I both, I think, have Feel it on strongly. our list for like the uh, the wild card fives that we're going to do. So. Sure. Um, outside of that, the, the Borg stuff is good because it is a mystery that feels like it's getting somewhere. They could screw this up and it won't go anywhere mm-hmm. at all. But at this point, it feels like it is building towards something. It's good to have Hugh there. The characters are interacting in a way that is not that it, it, I don't feel that the dialogue for those characters feels like they're intentionally hiding something. It just feels like they're talking about something that they know, but they don't need to explain fully to mm. each other. And I think that that's yeah. a better way to have that kind of mystery setting hold up. And I do like the Romulan thing. They're obviously really going hard on Romulan culture here, which is nice because we've always talked about how the Romulans are very underdeveloped across all of the mm. other Star Trek series. But here they're mm-hmm. playing them as um, like, it seems that, her name is Soji. Soji Asha. I can never remember her name for some reason. I always call her Daj's sister. But Soji Soji is <laughs> She's been called Daj's sister her whole life. It's always Daj, Daj, Daj. Daj gets to go to Daystrom. Daj becomes a Jason Bourne secret agent. Daj gets blown up by secret acid pills. They are secret acid pills. That's the other thing we learned. Here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's good to know. But her um I guess her purpose is to figure out a method of language that will help ex-borgs become normal again that's Mm -hmm. her that's her entire point which is kind of an interesting thing she's not really technologically based or technologically driven it's more about a um kind of a neat metaphor for just like finding a way to rehabilitate people like that and i think i think it's neat i think that that's a I, i continue to be happy with the way that they're showing the borg and the borgification process and stuff like that and you know this is all going to blow up on them at some point but it's it's cool right now and i think that um the other thing is just that i think we've learned that the romulans are selling access to the cube that's why it seems like there's so many different species there um mm. so the romulans in the the having nowhere else to go are just sort of using their access or control of this board cube as a way to um earn some money basically to do something with it yeah i i like the um i like the thing that she's doing with the language idea it's kind of uh, it's interesting that her her inroad is sort of a uh uh metaphorical version of the 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 borg hive consciousness mm-hmm where it's a, she's like, well, you know, if we can create this shared mythology or this shared way of thinking that would connect everybody, then they can talk to each other instead of there being like a central Borg hive that's doing the same thing. Right. Um, I still, my biggest question at this point is, does Starfleet know this is happening? I, don't, like, I get the not impression, to, not no. To steal, not to steal a line from Star Trek Discovery podcast we do, but... uh where the fuck is this cube? Right. Yeah. Like, it, I, it seems like a big enough deal that Starfleet should should be aware of it. Like, who does, what is her name? Ra, 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 uh, Soji, Soji Asha. Soji. Soji. Who does Soji work for? I'm not, I'm not sure. I, what do you personally think? I personally think that Starfleet is unaware of it. However, it 
begs the question of with all the people that are out there, you think someone would get word back to Starfleet that this is going on? Um, yeah. But like, I, I don't know. Of of all the people who are working there, I'm surprised that none of them are Federation people. Yeah, and you, I mean, the only way I could see it tying in is that they're also building towards the fact that the synth attack seems likely like it was inspired by Romulans for some reason. So Yeah, that and, doesn't track. And yet, Ra- Raffi has a line about, well, the cover-up would have covered up the reason for doing it, but Picard's question is, why would Starfleet go along with this? And, it, and unless they know something about the cube, that's the only reason I could think. But at the same time, the cube doesn't seem important enough for what happened with the synth attack to be justified by Starfleet. Like they're, they're not right. really peddling the cube as this like high priority thing. It just kind of seems like it's something that's happening on the sidelines. Yeah. And if it was that high priority, you'd think there would be like Starfleet people there. on there working it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I would like to know who she works for. Um, because I feel like everybody there is, is sort of a big question mark outside of the Romulans themselves. Was um, um when she called her mother, did her mother cause her to fall asleep, or was that something just unrelated to talking to her mother? I my read of it was that it was something. I I read it as like her basically her mother. The conversation with her mother gave her some sort of like trigger word that to, caused her to fall asleep. Okay. I also was that the same woman that was the mother of Dodge. I think so. I think I I didn't I didn't think it was not impressive. I didn't think it was different enough not to. Although I will say, I did not realize that the EMH and Rios were the same actor. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they're the same. The same actor. I couldn't, you know, for a second I thought it was, but I thought they looked different enough that maybe I was just seeing things, but that is the same guy. It's the same guy, and when you realize it's the same guy, it's very interesting, and I'm shocked that the script doesn't call attention to it, because what he's done is he's created a version of the, the, the ultimate trill that we wanted, which is that you have a character who has different facets of his personality come through in different characters that are the same character, sort of, like... Mm -hmm. And so he's he's programmed a crew that is himself, but they seem to be variants of his own thoughts and personality because this one is kind of poking fun at him for being like starstruck by Picard. And Rios, the captain, doesn't play it that way, but he does seem to have some si- some kind of reverence for Picard at the same time. And this this program is pointing that out to him, and it's a, it's a really interesting Star Trek way to um to show character at that point and i don't think they've ever done anything like that which is strange that they don't have picard say why do you have a hologram that looks exactly like yourself uh walking right. around yeah faking yeah, an irish that, accent yeah that and that is a interesting question i don't if they i assume they will eventually get to it but what you know what what drives a person to have the the hologram of themselves be the uh the other ties into um soon and data and lore right like soon created them in his image um it mirrors that, I suppose, in in some way. I don't know if that's intentional or if they're going to draw attention to it, but that's what that's what springs to mind when I think about it. Yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, and I am I'm going to confirm. Yeah, Santiago Cabrera plays Rios slash the EMH in this episode, so I am right they're there. They're so weird in these new shows with not telling you who's playing what character. You know, like they with uh, keeping the uh, Ash Tyler shit a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's really strange. The The information that these shows are keeping from you, whether it's actors or actually in the show, is very odd. Well, the 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 problem with it, right, is that 
we occasionally get feedback where um, people will say, well, you're missing the depth of what this writing is doing because what they're doing, and then they'll list off like list A, B, and C about like, these are the connections that they're making. And I look at it and I go, the show doesn't seem to be making this connection. So Mm. if the show doesn't make that connection for me, I'm not sure it's intentional that they're doing something like that. And I think that the Rios thing is a good example of that where I don't know if the show... So you, when you see when you notice the Rios thing that he's playing two different characters, you're struck by the fact that does the show think this is important or does it just think it's kind of a neat novelty to do right now? And when you as a viewer are unaware of what's important or what you should be noticing in a show, you you have trouble tracking things like that. Like the right. show needs to tell you this is important. Please pay attention to this because this is going to come up later. And if they don't do that, you end up going, eh, I'm not going to think about it or I'll just pass it off as a joke or whatever, or it's just like a one-off thing. And, and it's kind of an unsatisfying way to go about things because you're left either digging horribly deep into the details and sort of wearing yourself out, or you just say, I'll, I'll figure this out by the end and I'm not going to think about it in the meantime. Yeah, or at least the way you present these this information, think about how visually you're doing it a little bit more. Because, like, as far as the captain and the EMH guy go, like, this is now we've got three characters who are kind of like shaggy haired beard guys. Yes, rogues. Two of them are played by the same person, (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you know, it's like maybe. To the point where it's like, oh, it didn't even it didn't even click with me that this was the same person, right? Because it's just another shaggy haired beard guy, and so I was thinking like, well, if you made the captain look a little bit more unique and then mirrored that in the EMH, then okay, then that becomes something to key in on. But now it's ju- he's just a beard guy. Well, he's and, and I say and I say that as a beard guy. He has a distracting Irish accent again. Like so many yeah, characters have distracting too. distracting Irish accents in this. Not that there's anything. And again, it's I'm not. I don't care that there are Irish uh, voices in this. Sounds like, like you do, it's, or that like Star Trek is like you know they don't sound like Romulans or something like that. But the the sheer number of Irish accents is leading me to think that they're they're hinting at something here about what's going to go on, and I don't think that's the case. I think, I think you're hinting at your British ancestry and your your hatred of the Irish <laughs> is coming out right now. Is what's happening? <laughs> I mean, how much? But how many potatoes are these actors going to chew up? You hate up O'Brien. On these you hate O'Brien. You can't stand Irish Irish Romulans. <laughs> I mean, the pieces are there, man. <laughs> you know what the uh, the other good thing that I thought that this episode did, which it, uh, these series sometimes don't do, is that the the uh, gratuitous action scene where Loris and the other Romulan fight off the guys who are attacking Picard at the Chateau, the fight actually makes sense because they're ex-Tal Shiar agents, and they should yeah. be able to fight like that. Yeah, I thought that was great. I thought it was a nice little beat, a little character beat in, in inside the fighting, which was, you know... It's you don't always get that. No, you don't get that in these modern series. So what? Um, I think we're almost we're, we pretty much talked about everything that's in it. Did you have any sort of standout moments or anything? You did I convince you that the episode is better than uh, the middling one that you came in with that opinion, or you think it's still Excuse kind me. of a middling episode? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bad. Um, it just didn't like you know. I was kind of I was kind of hoping that I would have a little bit more. Um, 
it would have a little bit more of a crescendo leading into his flight off into space for the first time in 20 years, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really hit that for me. Uh, I did like the bit where he tells him to take a seat and he kind of glances at the captain's chair and then he sits in the other chair. That yeah. was nice. Yep. Um, I'm glad that they didn't do the, uh, you want to take us out for old time's sake, like that thing. <laughs> he just says engage. They don't bring a lot of attention to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's, uh, this was the it first, was, you know, this was the first episode I'm, I looked forward and I was un- sort of disappointed. I couldn't watch the next episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's still a little too talky for me. It is. Talky, um, yeah. And you know, it's still the, it's still really plot heavy. And I, and I feel like there's probably too many characters at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, when you've got c- common commandant, O showing up in sunglasses and then you have to have a point where they talk about that uh and there's at least like two characters that they're talking about who we haven't even seen yet um bruce maddox and i don't know probably uh, at least another one uh yeah it's it seems a little bit overly complex for the sake of being overly complex it's not terrible like it's not really it's not really dragging me down because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on um but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I think uh I think I still mm, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I still probably prefer the pilot to the, to to this one. Um Would you I say, will say Yeah, go ahead. I will say uh I'm glad that Hugh learned how to act in the last 30 years. <laughs> Cuz I thought he was great and he is not great in that episode of TNG. Yeah, the the Iborg <laughs> episode that you watched. No, he's he's good here. He um I think he conveys himself appropriately he has a kind of gravitas to him he's not a huge character or a huge actor or anything like that like he he manages to get his um authority across i think that he plays he has some fairly cheesy lines and i think he actually plays them off pretty well and to me i i was struck by hugh that he he the actor was playing him in what i felt was a very tng style in some ways mm. like i i was struck by he he did seem still like hugh to me in a way that even picard doesn't you know, feel like picard at this point it's it's weird because i almost thought the same thing where for some reason once he came on screen and started delivering these lines my first thought was oh here's a guy who's been on star trek before. <laughs> You know, I don't know what it was, but it was just like something about the the confidence with which he was playing this character and saying these lines. I was like, yeah, this guy's been on Star Trek before. He knows what's up. Yeah. No, I, um, I certainly felt that. I felt I, I felt that very strongly that he he was familiar with the process almost and he was ready yeah. to go into it. Yeah. And I also uh, I still continue to think that Allison Pill is actually holding down the whole fort. I think she's really, really good. Oh, really? Um, Even when she randomly, I mean, it's not her fault, but she randomly shows up to save the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that has nothing to do with the, the actress. Um, yeah, that whole thing about how she can go, she seems to be able to go back and forth from the, the Picard Chateau with no problem whatsoever. Is The right timing we, is the, the killer Yeah, for we me. don't need it's, to get into yeah, that. But yeah. like, as far as her acting goes, I think she's great. I think she's, she's bringing a lot of uh I get some Tilly nuance. energy out of her. Yeah, she's she's a lot better than Tilly. She is. She's got she's she's a lot more nuanced and she's actually emoting and isn't just like super fun, happy, quirky character. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they missed an opportunity 
when she uh, does the whole thing about like, I want to go with you, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Picard kind of gives her the smile and then they cut to the ship. I was really hoping he was going to click his badge and say two to beam up. Yes. I think that I thought that would have been great. That would have been that would have been nice. Yeah, they they don't seem to they don't seem to do those small things that you'd kind of um be expecting. I just I just have a few small points here. Uh the book that Rios is reading is called The Tragic Sense of Life and mm-hmm. I had to look it up. I didn't know what it was. It's a Spanish philosopher book who argues that uh in that book he argues that passion is the superior um drive than reason in life so it's more important to be passionate and emotional about things than it is to be rational about things how dare you which is a very star trek doing it right a very anti-star trek uh uh a tome i guess so it's obviously setting up some kind of conflict with picard there i I would assume well not necessarily picard i was gonna say do you think that's gonna come into contact into clash what's the conflict that's the word do you think that's going to come into conflict once they pick up that like samurai Vulcan no, the samurai guy? Vulcan. Yeah, the samurai Romulan. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be. I'm sure there's going to be a scene where he's like, "What do you mean you don't have any passion? What about women? What about love? You know that kind of thing." And he's like, "I have no room in my life for that. There is only the mission or some shit." Me and my sword. That is the only thing that matters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm. I'm. The only. Can I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, the the only other thing is that I think that. I think that the this these first three episodes do have to be viewed as a single chapter. I think mm. they're like a B minus of a of a first chapter. I think that the I think particularly in the Picard aspect of things, it reminds me very strongly of the uh, the occupation arc on DS Nine, where the non Starfleet stuff is far more interesting than the Starfleet stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that this suffers from a similar problem, which is that the Picard story is not effectively set up Sorry. enough, I don't think, to really um, sell that Picard is lonely or bored or just waiting to die on Earth and that this mm. like going back into space is a big redemption for the character. That, that doesn't really come across for me. Patrick Stewart is trying and doing a really good job of playing the character again, and he's excellent in a lot of the scenes, um, and he carries a lot of garbage material, as he was willing <laughs> to do on, for seven years on TNG. But at the same time... I just think that they, this series and Discovery does the same thing of trying to drop you. They they try to avoid the boring lead up to the climax, and they want to drop you in right at when the shit happens at the end of the first act. But all they end up yeah. doing is that they have to spend a lot of time explaining stuff to you that happened in the lead up to that climax, and you're like, why didn't I just see this at that point? And and I think that's kind of I think that's fundamentally a story problem that they have, which is that. The Kurtzman writing team wants to get you right into the story, but they're they're not very good at building the story to get there. They're not very good at building around the climax at the same time as showing you the climax. And I think that it suffers in the writing in that regard. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's uh, it's a it's a fairly uh, strange three episodes to me um, because there's so much just like talking about stuff and set up set up set up set up and i i i feel like i think he even says it in this episode but i can't remember i might be imagining things but picard's motivation here is not super clear and i think i i think there's a scene in this episode where someone's like so what are you gonna do no it's like where where are we going and he's like i don't know 
Yeah. She's out there somewhere. We got to find her. It's like, well, what are you going to do when you get her? I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's a little bit, I feel like they've got so many other plates spinning that it's like they put on the board. It's like, okay, Picard has to find the girl. Okay. Next thing. And they didn't really flesh it out into what that means or like why he's doing it other than like, oh, it's data's daughter. Or well, something. What, what it does is that you end up, if you don't, it's that thing we were talking about before. If you don't explain it, right. I end up looking at Picard saying, does he really care about the girl or is the girl an excuse for him to get back out there? And I, right. I think that's an important distinction in the character to make. And I think that, and you know what, in a, in a older style show that isn't so preoccupied with like plot on top of plot, you have a scene where people discuss that. Right. Yeah. Where that's when he goes to see Riker and Riker's like, John Luke, do you really want to find this girl or is this just an excuse to get back and behind the wheel of a starship? Yeah. You know, like that's, that's a scene that you would have where the characters kind of like get to the core of what's going on instead of, you know, space Googling. 50 more cores. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But f- so f- speaking of space Googling, they got to stop this futuristic thing where it's like the screen with no screen and it's just like a hologram. Do you know how in- in hard that shit is to read? Yes. Like w- once that shit came up, it's like, so I'm looking at this, but I can see through it and see all the crap on the desk behind it. I don't know what the hell she's looking at. And then they get this other thing for that, like, uh, space casino. Can't free, wait to go free to space cloud. Casino. Free cloud. Yeah, whatever it is. It comes up uh, in Comic pre- Sans font so that you know it's important. <laughs> Is that a pre-existing thing? Or no, is that I, I've thing? never heard of it before, yeah. Well, anyway, that thing pops up, like, overlapping her other screen, and you can see through both of them. And so I, it was just making my eyes hurt. And, and if that's what the future is, I would like to stick with, like, hard screens, please. <laughs> Another thing. It's just a general sort of tangent question uh, going off of that book that the guy has. How much – how many shits do you have to give – when they do that kind of stuff where, where it's like, here's a character, here's a book that I've read in my life that I'm going to make the character have also read to show that he has some sort of character without having to write, you know, right. I find it, I find it really boring. And there's, I, there's a lot of comics that have been doing it recently where in lieu of writing like dialogue, they just do long form quotes of stuff. Mm hmm. And all it does is make me feel like an idiot. So you're you're saying that using the book as a proxy, it's kind of like a tattoo. Like it's a way to give a character personality without him actually having to talk about things. But you need to know the context of what the thing is that they're reading. Yeah. 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 I I find it very annoying. Um, And they didn't bring a huge attention to it here. But I've seen other things that do it. Like I said, they do it in comics a lot where it's like I've got to fill five pages. So I'm going to take this long Henry David Thoreau quote and put it in my caption boxes. And at the end, you're going to go, Oh, I mean the, the thing, the thing about it here and why I think it's weird that Picard, why you don't have a scene about Picard being a, you know, a Renaissance man that Picard is, doesn't see the book and then talk to Rios about it a little bit and like sort of Mm -hmm. clue the audience in as to what this book is about. The thing is that even when I read the synopsis on Google about what the book is about, I, I, I don't get that sense from Rios, really. Like the, mm. it, it's a, it's filling in a characterization that I wouldn't really necessarily describe that for him. I mean, maybe it seems kind of odd when you think of rogue characters. Like you're like, oh, of course, the passion is more important than anything. But he doesn't. It, it, 
I just don't feel that the book um, organically links with the character as much as it just kind of sits on top of him. And you have to kind of like look into what it means for him and you have to look it up and stuff like that. And I think it just needs to be more organically woven into things. Like even the, um, when, uh, Alison Pill took the, uh, Asimov book off the shelf and they made a little joke Mm -hmm. about it. At least they commented on it. Like, I think that's more appropriate. Yeah, I would agree. It feels like the, uh, the intellectual version of, uh, the other thing everybody does on shows nowadays where everybody has a story to tell about a parent, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like, well, you know, my grandfather always used to tell me blah, 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 blah. And it's like, God, come on, man. I just, I hate that stuff. Everybody, every single show you watch now has people talking about life lessons that they were taught by their father. Yes. It's very important. That was like half of the first season of Walking Dead and I want to blow my brains out. Let's take a break. We're going to do, we're going to come back and we're going to give our final thoughts about the end is the beginning. Why do you want to go to Free Cloud? Have we met? Agnes Girardi. That's it? You're just going to let Agnes here hit your ride on your top secret mission? Dr. Girardi is the Earth's leading expert on synthetic life. You didn't even ask me to run any kind of security check. Not even the most basic. Why do you want to go to Free Cloud? I'm under no obligation to tell that to any of you. And once we get there, you're on your own. Who are you, lady? Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the content today. If you did, the best way to support the show is Patreon, patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra content, extra podcasts, and uh, all that good stuff. You can check us out there, patreon.com slash the Penske file. Your support is much appreciated. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Jeffrey Koch, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kyle, uh, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Baird, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Oates, Samuel Custer, Grim Santos, Sean, uh, Stefan Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much. A couple new names in there. So hello, welcome. Thank you guys. And I think that's it. Clay, final thoughts about this one. Or uh, we, we talked about final thoughts about the episode, but what um, going forward, do you have any, maybe not predictions, but is there anything you're like hesitant about or anything you're excited to see? Um, I'll be honest with you. I was looking forward to the next time trailer. I was hoping that Riker was going to show up. Yeah, it's the samurai uh, character. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. I mean, it's it's giving me a that that trailer gave me a, a little bit of a sense of what this is probably going to be, which is not going to just be there on a ship, but it's probably going to be like a lot of planet hopping. Yeah, very Mandalorian. Um, I was thinking. Yeah, I'm I'm worried that it's going to just be like MacGuffin on top of MacGuffin on top of MacGuffin uh unless they find like a really cute um baby kelpian or something. I'm, that I'm charms a, everybody's hearts. I'm a little worried it's um it's only 10 episodes in the season. I'm maybe not worried, but I'm I'm wondering since they took 3 episodes to set that up, mm. I just don't know 
I guess I still don't, I'm not really aware of what the central conflict is going to be going forward. So maybe when Mm. they get to that, it's only one episode or two episodes. But I still feel, especially if he's still recruiting characters for the next couple episodes. Yeah. I don't know where the plot is going to kick off at that point or like when you're going to have time to sort of get into what I think the theme of the series should be if it, if if it is not what it is like or or to explain to me how I'm wrong and explain to me what the actual theme is but that's the only thing is that um it for where the plot seems to be going and how important everything seems to be there doesn't seem to be a lot of time to really scratch the surface of that and i wonder how they're going to be able to do it or what they're going to choose to do yeah do you think that they're gonna solve the girl thing by the end of the season i think so i I would imagine that happens in the next the next couple episodes i think um because a couple episodes would have to be devoted to them, the Romulans getting the information from her and sort of finding the Maddox android lair, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to... I mean, knowing that they're doing a second season, <clears throat> when you've set your first season up as as so uh, singularly um, quested, if that's not the right way to say it, but you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like the mess, the thing for the season is, oh... This is the reason that Picard's coming out of retirement is this finding this girl, saving this girl. What does what do you do to keep that going for a second season if you solve that problem in the first season? Right. And I assume it's going to be something like they solve that problem, but in doing so, they un, uncover this Romulan, uh, like the Tal Shiar Jat Vast thing comes to the comes to the forefront for them and it's it's right. involved with them versus that somehow. Yeah, I and that's the only I do wish that the series would get off of that quest train plot a little bit and just like, mm. you know, just have a a season of kicking around. I don't know if really if Star Trek is going to do that anymore going forward, but it's it, it kind of I'm a little bit surprised just because I thought that this would have been the series where that is a big part of it. Like the first season, like don't forget that Picard has been diagnosed with a terminal illness in this series so far too. So it's like, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's reckoning with those interesting points that I'm interested in. I am interested in the Borg cube, but I don't feel that Picard's journey is doing a lot to illuminate what's going on with Picard at this time, which I think is kind of the failure of the series so far, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I have a feeling that the uh the the illness thing is probably going to be what stops him from going like after they after they win whatever the challenge is this season the thing that stops him from going back to earth is probably the the uh illness he has and, and him being like, well, you know, I've only got so much time left. I may as well Jet start around jump stars. around with yeah. you with you nerds. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to The End is the Beginning. It was the third episode of Star Trek Picard. Hopefully you're enjoying the content. Check out all the other shows, Real Ripe and Real Rotten. You can check out uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show, which just uh, has some episodes come out every other week. It's Clay and Amanda talking about horror movies. Real Ripe and Real Rotten just did its uh, Oscar coverage. We talked about Joker and Parasite. And I think that's pretty much it. Check out the Patreon if you want to support the show there. 
And uh, if you don't want to support the Patreon or anything like that, it's much appreciated if you just mention the show somewhere. Just kind of work it into either a social media thing. You don't have to you don't have to be one of those assholes who just are loudly advertising it, but just like retweet it or something <laughs> or share it or do something, mention it on Reddit. And uh, many thanks to the people who do share and mention on Reddit and stuff could like you, that. Could they set up one of those fake websites by the company who produces a product that are meant to look like they're not a company generated website, but all they do is talk about how great the product is. <laughs> have you seen those? Yeah, I have. Where yeah. it's like where you where you look up like you're looking up like a I need a new deodorant or something, and then you find one website where it's like I've tried all the deodorants, and this Old Spice whatever is the number one deodorant I've ever tried, and it's just like 15 articles about that. Yes, a dedicated, a very dedicated blog or a uh, astroturfed corporate structure that's trying to trying to get some google seo or something like that i know mm. i know what you mean they always and i'm definitely not speaking from this as someone who's fallen for this in the past <laughs> as you're, uh, as you're sweating profusely did, in your in your yeah. chair right now well you know it's it's hard to stay dry <laughs> um <laughs> But they always do it where they have like a list of stuff and they have a bunch of other products that are like, these ones are pretty good, but not as good as this one. And it's like, this one always keeps ending up at the top of their list. Mm-hmm. It must really be good. Right. Why would they lie? Can't lie. Can't lie about that. All right. Let's let's uh, let's jet set out of here. We're going to hit engage and we're going to take off and we'll be back with the next episode of Star Trek Picard, which I do know the name of and I'm going to say it right now. It's called Absolute Candor. It's the first episode directed by Frakes as well. So that'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Absolute candor in a couple, uh, in a week. Thank you very much for listening. Guys, we'll see you later.